1: Good afternoon, Cougar Nation, and welcome in to a Cougar Tracks Cougar Sports Saturday mashup. You see that guy to my right. If you're watching on the live stream, it's Matt Biamonte, Cougar Sports Saturday host on KSL News Radio every Saturday from noon to three, alongside with me uh, on the legacy home of the Cougars. You've also probably heard his voice on Cougar Tracks many times, those Twitter Spaces post game. But you know, since we don't have a Cougar Sports Saturday this week. Uh, General Conference for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints takes priority this weekend. We had to get together and talk BYU-Utah State as the Cougars and Aggies square off for the 91st time all-time and maybe the last, Matt. So it's good to chat with you and preview this BYU-Utah State matchup.
0: Yeah, this is a a sneaky, interesting matchup from a storylines perspective, not necessarily from a Is this going to be a crazy game? Is it going to be a close game? I mean, it's a rivalry game, so you can't throw out the notion that it could be a closer-than-the-experts-think-Lee-Corso-reference type of game. But uh, Utah State has not been playing good football, Mitch, and so there's no reason a BYU team can't win by double digits. I'm not going to put a number on it because tomorrow at the Press Fox I will be uh, trying to imitate Cowboy Joe, the oh. Wyoming mascot, after that painful bet with the unrivaled team. So I got my cowboy hat, got delivered yesterday. And, uh, but, so I'm not going to put a number on it, but BYU is a double digit favorite. I, I mean, they're a better football team. So from a matchup perspective, I'm not sure how interesting it is. But there are a lot of interesting storylines within this matchup.
1: BYU is uh, should win by four touchdowns in this game. I mean, four. You t- I think they should. Uh, you know, are you B- gonna wear? A, are you gonna? Do we need to put something <laughs> on the line here? <laughs> they should because BYU is the 19th ranked team in the country, and if they are uh, living up to that ranking, they should handle a Utah State team that rolls in with a one and three record. Uh, has been losing to the likes of Weber State, UNLV. They're they're just struggling. Uh, But you got to think that, no pun intended, they're going to circle the wagons and uh, try to get right for this BYU game because Utah State, we know they love this game uh, up in Logan. And honestly, Matt, I will say uh, that I've enjoyed this matchup a lot more in the Independence era. I think it's been a fun annual matchup. I think sometimes in Independence... Uh, I tend to forget how much fun it can sometimes be to have that annual continuity with a certain opponent where you have that built-in year after year, like, oh, this happened that year, this happened this season, and just that fuel that builds up with a matchup. uh, That's lacked in independence, but this BYU-Utah State series has been a lot of fun during the independence era, but seems like it's coming to a close.
0: It's gotten a lot more fun, too, as Utah State's gotten better because there was a long period of time where this was just a, a you know a butt whooping, so to speak. But ever since the first time around with Gary Anderson, I think the series has gotten a lot better. And then Matt Wells had some good teams. Uh, last year's Utah State was very good, which is it's last year's success with the Aggies is a little puzzling as to why it's been so 180 from last year. I mean, this is a team who won the Mountain West. And they look good in their bowl game. And they were without their starting quarterback in that bowl game. And they still won the bowl game down in uh, L.A. and SoFi Stadium. So uh, for them to have struggled as much as they have this year, especially offensively, uh, if you look at Logan Bonner's numbers the past two weeks, they are not good. Against Weaver State, he only completed 39% of his passes, Mitch. 39% of his passes he uh, nearly doubled that against UNLV, but it was still sub-70, and he threw five interceptions. So his struggles, I think, have been one of the reasons the offense has struggled, and their overall team struggles, I think, are why they are in the position that they are. And I, I don't think anyone predicted that Utah State's offense would be this bad, and that's why they're 1-3. Well, and
1: I, I thought the, the conversation around Bonner, he was nowhere near – a Jaron Hall type. You know, we had the on our sister station, the KSL Sports Zone, uh, the sixty and sixty, where the local media and the KSL Sports family got to vote on the all the players in the state of Utah. And I, I thought it was kind of insane that Cam Rising was above Jaron Hall. I thought it was even more crazy that Logan Bonner was number five. Now, it's not a knock on Bonner; he's had a decorated career being with Blake Anderson was there at Arkansas State and then Utah State. They they won a conference title last year, but I just thought if if that that's a sizable gap. And you're seeing, you know, all the all the talk we had this offseason about Jaron Hall, and I think some people might have thought, man, these guys are just laying it thick for Jaron Hall. Like are these guys uh, what are they watching? But it's like you can just tell the way that Jaron is operating, and you're seeing it. The end of, Thursday night will be a, a national showcase For Jaron Hall. I know that the NFL is on and that's on Amazon, but if you want to go on linear TV and watch a football game, it's only BYU on Thursday night. And I'm telling you, Jaron Hall is going to be impressive. And I think this is going to be the game. You're going to have Lewis Riddick Riddick gassing him up. He's going to be hyping this kid up. And he's going to be probably saying, like, this is a top 10 pick, I bet. Uh, Jaron's going to be amazing. Logan Bonner, okay player. But I've said since that uh, devastating loss to Weber State, He's got to get benched. And if they had Lega, I think that would be a situation where maybe he can give them a jolt of life because he won that bowl game for them. But, hey, we'll see what, what happens moving forward. And they also,
0: have Let's also throw into the mix Levi Williams, right? So yeah, from Knights Wyoming. From Wyoming, who was very impressive, led Wyoming to a great season last year. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen? But it's not like they don't have options if they want to go that route. So we'll have to see. I think if you're a BYU fan, though, You want uh, you want Logan Bonner to play because you had success against Logan Bonner last year and he's struggling this year. So, uh, you know, what happens there will be interesting and and noteworthy. But BYU, Mitch, certainly has a decisive edge at quarterback. Uh, Jaron Hall, I mean, if you're uh, no stranger to Cougar Tracks or Cougar Sports Saturday, you know that me and Mitch think Jaron Hall is phenomenal. I personally believe he's played his way into the first round of the NFL draft. Because there's things that I believe about Jaron Hallmitch that will benefit him after the season. And that's going to be, you know, he's already getting incredible publicity for his leadership, and it's well deserved. Uh, Against Baylor, there was the hug with Jake Oldroyd. Last week, it was the, and look, we witnessed this. We were in the press conference room. Miles Davis showed up alone. I'm like, you know, he deserves to be alone. He had a great game. And Jaron came in very late. Why was he late? Well, we all know now why he was late. That was because he was taking pictures and signing autographs. So he cares about the fan base. He cares about the team. He cares about the game. And once he gets to the interview section of the NFL draft process, that's where his stock is going to continue to rise. To me, uh, not only right now he's being talked about from, like Todd McShay has him on, on, what, the fourth or fifth best quarterback behind Lee, uh, Will Levis from Kentucky. Which
1: Jaron's better than Will Levis.
0: I was just going to say, I think when it's all said and done, Jaren will be the astrophy uh, Cat State. I don't think it's that close.
1: Neither do I. I think it's. I think Jaron Hall is a, a fantastic player, and I think that um, I think he have another big game. What's going to be interesting though is in that same backfield with Jaren is BYU's running back situation. Last week, you know, Chris Brooks was dealing with a little bit of hamstring tightness. But, you know, Kalani has not used that as any sort of excuse for Chris Brooks. To the point where, Matt, I'm looking at it from the way that Kalani has framed this, it feels like Chris Brooks got benched. That's what it feels like to me uh, based on Kalani's commentary. He was straight up asked on Monday is it injury related or is it performance based? Kalani did not squash it and just pounce on the injury side. Miles Davis is now a co starter. Along with Lopini and Chris Brooks, do you think we're going to see Miles Davis get a a big lion's share of the carries coming up tomorrow night?
0: No, I don't. Uh, I think we will see Miles Davis, but I think it will be more balanced in this game just because I feel like you owe that to Lopini and Chris Brooks. Uh, Miles Davis played well. You know, if you take out his big run, he averaged five yards a carry. That's. Double, triple what they were doing in, in the games previous. So that is a significant development. However, I think what's underrated here is that Chris Brooks averaged six yards per carry. He only just carried the ball two times, Mitch. So it's not like Chris Brooks went out there and had two negative plays and was no good. I, I feel like you owe it to Chris and Lapini to still give them opportunities. Now, if it is truly a situation, Mitch, where it is the hot hand... I'm on board with that. I'm totally on board with that. But it can't be a situation where Miles gets 18 carries and the other guys get two or three because I don't think that's fair. I don't think that Chris Brooks and Lopini were bad. Uh, I, I know that Kalani was was mentioned that you can't put it all on the offensive line. Well, in those two games, like, kind of. I, I'd put I think it you have to. The, I, I'd put it on the offensive line. I don't think that was. Chris Brooks and Lopini were very seldomly getting to the next level without having contact. How's the, I don't see how that's a running back thing. If you're expecting the running backs to make, guys, uh, make people miss behind the line of scrimmage, that's still an offensive line thing. So I'm not sold that the offensive line from the run game is fixed. Now, in the second half, there were very encouraging signs that the run game was getting better on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I liked that, but to answer your question – I think it needs to be running back by committee. And then if someone is just killing it, go with them. But I don't think Miles Davis, and as great as he played, he was awesome. I still wouldn't say that performance alone means your RB1 and the other guys don't play. I'm not ready to go
1: there. I'm with you on that because uh, I still think that you know Brooks and Lopini uh, deserve a chance to play. Uh, people have asked about Jax McChesney. He got banged up in the uh, Baylor game, uh, so he's still with another injury. Uh, McChesney feels like anytime he gets on the field, he just always gets banged up. uh, Jax McChesney. So he's uh, a little bit nicked up because there was another guy I'm thinking, you know, because uh, I felt like, you know, Miles Davis is really good. Uh, But I also think McChesney's good too. Uh, I think that the, the Miles Davis conversation though, a little bit premature to just anoint him RB one from the fan base. And look, fans enjoy it. Like he was a great player last week and always enjoy a win. Sometimes I think, Uh, As media, we sometimes get a little bit jaded and cynical sometimes. Uh, Enjoy the win. Like It was a great performance by Miles Davis because these football games are few and far between. But at the same time, I don't know yet if I'm ready to say this will translate against, say, Notre Dame, against Arkansas. I don't know yet. I still feel like that's an incomplete, uh, that I'm not ready to just say... He's ready to go, but Wyoming's defensive line was better than I think people give them credit for, uh, and that was but a was, pretty solid.
0: There curve. was a lot of yards gained in the second half too, though, when they had gotten sure. beaten down. Yeah. So, uh, not taking anything away from Miles, yeah. he deserves to be on the field, but so do the other guys.
1: That's why it should still and be on that. That's why it should still be a hot hand, and I think you're right. I think that's why it should not be suddenly okay, all in on Miles Davis. Like, well, no, this isn't got, a
0: Tyler Algiers situation in 2020.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Great way to put it. Uh, BYU-Utah State kickoff is at 6 o'clock. Pre-game starts on KSL at 4 p.m. So uh, tune in to 102.7 FM and 1160 AM, your legacy home of the Cougars, also the KSL News Radio app. Defensively, Matt, I thought there was, once again, drives where Wyoming last week was having success and eating up the clock and keeping BYU's high-powered offense off the field. It got fixed a little bit in that second half but what do you expect from BYU's defense against the Aggs
0: I expect there to be a Wyoming type performance I, I think that they'll there will be moments where they look really good but you cannot discount the injuries you know that Max Cooley is going to return but Malik Moore's not returning so you got to figure out the safety position now uh, you know we'll have to see on Earl uh, Earl Mariner uh, probably a game time decision for him but you know I really liked what they did in the second half with the run game. The thing that I thought was hockey that in the opening drives, it it wasn't scheme-related. It was just missed tackles. Now, in the Oregon game, I thought missed tackles were in abundance. It was just blatant missed tackles. I didn't feel that way watching the Wyoming game live. Maybe I need to give it another rewatch, but I didn't feel like there was just Miss tackles galore. So I, I'm very interested to see uh, how the defense responds in the run game perspective. My biggest concern with the defense though, aside from the run game, where are the turnovers? I'm ju- We are not seeing, not only were you we not seeing forced turnovers, we're seeing very few opportunities for forced turnovers. I can only think of one in the Wyoming game where I think it was Ethan Slade who came running across the field and like, Full extension stretch, tried to intercept the pass, which would have been an amazing interception. So you can't even call that really a dropped interception. But I'm just not seeing. I'm not seeing the opportunities, uh, and th- the few unforced opportunities, Mitch BYU is not taking advantage of. Uh, Andrew Peasley drops a snap at one point. No one is even near being able to recover that missed snap. So I'm, j- I'm just not seeing. Uh, and, and there was another punt return muffed, too, where what was Keenan Peely doing? You know, he, he needs to be on that. So they are not forcing turnovers, and that is a concern to me because as much as we love Jaron Hall and his ability to, to, to protect the football, can we expect one interception for the rest of the year? I, there's got to be a turnover at some point. The defense needs to be able to neutralize that with forcing turnovers which they haven't been able to do.
1: It's something that I, I talked about with Tyler Batty in this week's edition of Cougar Tracks. Uh, I, I highly recommend people go listen to it. Even Tyler uh, said that uh, they're frustrated that they have not forced more turnovers. I think, I think you know, gauging from his commentary, you know, BYU is not a defense that's going to confuse and create this uh, – Confusion, like you think back in the day of the Bronco era, it was like confusion everywhere. They're moving around, and they are just making these quarterbacks head spin. They're like, where are these guys going? I can't keep them straight. And then there, there's going to be all these opportunities. Whereas uh, Tuiaki's defense is going to be sound. It's going to be assignment based, one eleventh, this and that. And uh, it's just a matter of athletes got to go make some plays. Uh, do they have enough athletes to go make the plays? Who knows? Uh, you know, it, it's it'll be interesting to see if BYU can get a few more takeaways. You brought up Malik Moore. I kind of wondered, too, because he had that picture. And by the way, shout out to all the moms on uh, the BYU football team this week. Uh, they've been giving just great details of uh, the injury reports. I'm kidding. It's it's just kind of funny. Like, this, You're like, not kidding, and I support it. All the moms yeah. need to give us info. We're not getting. This vault of uh, you know, BYU injury reports. And look, some of this is... BYU coaches have been waiting on these doctors to clear some of these guys. Like Gunnar Romney, week after week, he's going on the KSL Sports Zone and saying, I'm ready to play. i got to get the doctor to clear me. And Kalani's got to answer to us jackals and be like, hey, where is he, Kalani? "Uh, I'm I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, (laughs) guys.
0: Kalani's not going to hear this, but if you do, can you have a better answer for these injury questions? Because the – the I'm not a doctor slash <laughs> he's still being evaluated. No, Gunnar Romney was done being evaluated on the second day of camp, and we third, know what the third. injury was. You you don't have to tell us, but just say he's out for a month.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that it was. I'm not going to lie, it was kind of refreshing at basketball practice on uh, on Monday. Like uh Travenil's out, ah, three to four months. All right, <laughs> we're never
0: going to ask you. about it again. Great, we'll never ask again. He's still being evaluated. There was an injury a month ago, but he's still under evaluation. I, I, Come do, on. Not I, that
1: I do think that Kalani, some of it is with these, uh, with these doctors in, in clearing. But, hey, I mean, it, it's tough. And I, with, with football, it was nice this week, though, because he just straight up said, hey, Thule, you're back. Tui EOT Mariner, back. Gabe Summers, back. Um, Terry Anderson writes, why would Kalani want the competition to know? Is that a competitive advantage? I I don't no, I've never not, I've, I've never believed like hey Gunners not going to play. I think the thought would be hey don't disclose the injury because maybe then play, teams will target uh you know Gunnar Romney's lacerated kidney. You know that that would be the thought. I mean, it could be. At the end of the day, like BYU you're going to be a wide zone offense, there haven't been much wide zone at times this year, but it's like you, you kind of know what BYU is, and I don't, I don't know. I, I just think that the whole competitive advantage thing. At the end of the day, you got to execute. Like BYU could, <laughs> you, you can know everyone that's out there, uh, all of all the personnel for BYU, a clean bill of health, and you ultimately have to execute. And here's the thing, too,
0: Mitch. If it is an advantage, it's for a brief moment, and then it, it get these guys figure it out, and it comes back to what you just talked about, execution. So. And ultimately, you know, like, I don't don't tell me that Chase Roberts big second half against Baylor was because they didn't know like they knew that he was good by that point, And they still couldn't stop it because he was playing good football.
1: The value, though, Matt, is it's been nice for BYU because it's given them a chance to, to turn in their depth. And I think the wide receiver depth has been highlighted. Terry also writes, I think you all make a big deal out of nothing. We're not making a big deal out of nothing. I think it's just at it for the fans. Like, do you want to watch a BYU game with Puka or, or Gunner or just kind of know like sometimes these people pay this money to know about certain things or certain companies now have NIL money invested in these athletes. They don't know the status of these guys. Well, I
0: I've always just said, thing, go ahead. I was going to say, I would, I'll quickly add, I, I think it's doing a slight disservice to the guys who were going to play too, because you and I are asking, or we're right. The storylines we write the story is this guy. You wrote this piece last week. Here's the injury update. What about this? What about that? When the storyline should be, Chase Roberts, Cody Epps, and Keanu Hill, these guys are having a great year, but we're not focusing on it. Right. Because we're worried, we're wondering when Pook and Gunn are going to come back every single week. So I think there is a slight disservice to the guys actually playing when we're all focused on when the other guys are going to return. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's, it's at the end of the day, right. Terry's right. I think we're right too, where it's just like, you know, it's not that big of a deal because we're ultimately going to watch the game. The eye in, lie, eye in the sky won't lie. We'll all watch it. We're all going to cover it. Uh, but, you know, just sometimes I think that you're right. Like I think if we knew exactly like the situation of guys, then we can f- focus our efforts in highlighting a great story of Cody Epps. We had him on last week on Cougar Sports Saturday and and what a uh great interview he is. I mean, it is what it is. It's just the weekly grind of college football. Injuries happen. You hope that BYU doesn't have the devastating ones uh for for uh going forward because that's knock on wood. They have not had the season-ending injury. This BYU Utah State game is frightening because It seems like some catastrophic quarterback thing always happens. So again, knock on wood, nothing happens with uh, Jaron or. Logan Bonner or whoever it may be uh, in this game. We don't want to see uh, any injuries happen to anyone, but it's just, it, it's just a, a, it comes with college football. It's injuries are a, are a thing in this sport. Let me ask you this before we wrap things up, Matt uh, BYU, Utah state 91st meeting all time. Uh, second most meetings against an individual school next to Utah for BYU. But uh, this game is not on any future schedules for the foreseeable future. And Honestly, I don't know if it will be it will be back anytime soon. Do you want BYU Utah State back on the future schedules when BYU is in the Big Twelve? Kalani Satake said he would like it back. What say you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just don't want it every year. So I, I think if there was some kind of rotation, this this might get uh, some people their feathers ruffled a little bit. But if there was some kind of rotation where you had a home and home rotating with Utah State, Utah. Boise State, and it was just kind of circling through, sign me up for that. Because I, I definitely would like Utah State on the schedule. I just, with so few non-conference opportunities now, I just, I don't want to lose what I love about independence, which is these coast-to-coast games. And I, it, for me, I'm speaking for myself, if I had to choose between Utah State or a trip out to the East Coast... To play, and I don't know, you know, I'm just throwing some run of the mill team out there. But to play, uh, you know, Duke, maybe that's a bad example after uh, the volleyball situation, but because that's not not, not happening. Uh, Let's say, uh, let's go with um, East Coast against Louisville or Utah State. I want to play Louisville, so and there's not there's not really room for both because you can't play. Utah, Utah State, Louisville, then off to the Big 12. Like, that's just – that's not the precedent college football set. Whether or not we want it to be that, I think we all want it to be that way. It's just not that way. So, um, uh, that's a, long, a long-winded a long answer saying I do want to see it played again, but I don't want it to be an annual thing.
1: I hope in the 12-team college football playoff era, Matt, we see teams like in, teams Alab- like in Alabama that set the bar and say, you know, we're done playing the FCS team. We're going to play 12 FBS teams. Because, and I bring this up, the 12-team playoff, because you're not penalized to play a Utah State. Because like, the, the thought with a Utah State would be, well, what's the gain for BYU? Because quite frankly, there's not much gain. It's just basically maintaining history. But I think in the 12-team playoff era, there is some value where you're maintaining history, you're getting that local regional buy-in, and say if you did lose the game... You know, if you go up to Logan and it's you run into a buzzsaw up there, you're not penalized, your season's not over, because you can go into the Big 12, and if you win the Big 12, you're going to have an automatic bid, most likely, assuming you know Big 12's one of the top six conferences that year, which they probably will, you're going to go to the playoff. So I think, like, there is now more room to play a Utah State. Because I'll tell you what, I, when I see the announcement of BYU Southern Illinois to open a 2024 season. I get it in the grand scheme of how football works now, but I don't want to watch that game. I don't want to watch BYU Southern Illinois. I'd well, rather watch BYU Utah State.
0: Yeah, well, you and I are sickos, and we'd find 15 story angles in <laughs> that game to who, who, sure. who are we watching? Are we getting into the seven deep? Are we getting any some true freshmen on the field? So, but look, if the question is, in a perfect world, what schedule would you like to have? I'll tell you what I would like to have: Utah and Utah State, and maybe you alternate Utah State and Boise State every year, and then two other fun independence types games, like in Oregon, or uh, you know, go back to the East Coast and play. I'm throwing out, you know, South Carolina or something, and then eight conference games. That's what I would like to see. That's the world I want to live in, where these teams are playing really exciting matchups in September, and then you get into conference play. And what it's okay to be nine and three to win your conference and to go to the college football playoff. That's the world I want to live in. We just don't live in that world right now.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, You know, I, I think it will be interesting to see how the future Big 12 schedules are made up. Uh, you know, We're going to likely see, most likely, the 2023 schedule sometime next month, which is exciting. Expected to be a nine-conference game slate. That's according to Tom Homo back at Media Day. Uh, divisions, will they have that? We don't know. But uh, it is unfortunate to see history sometimes go by the wayside. I will say, though, if BYU and Utah State ever rekindle anything, I do think you say maybe two-for-one, three-for-one, uh, you make it very strict, like you're going to get Three a Three lot- for one. That's hey, hardcore. Well, maybe be- and the reason I say that is because go look at the history of Power 5 teams going to Logan. It's Wake Forest uh, recently. Wake Forest, no one's going to look at them as a big-time program. I know they're doing well right now, but not a big football brand. And then Oregon back in the days of Joey Harrington. I don't know how on earth uh, Utah State landed the Ducks to go to Logan. Uh, but they did. Uh, back in the early 2000s, when they were having guys on New York billboards and stuff. Uh, but it, that's it, though. Power Five teams don't go to the Cache Valley, Utah. I think did once in 2012. Uh, but just the, their stadium alone, less than 30,000 seats. BYU's got a pretty big fan base. Uh, they want to travel fans to games. You don't have the infrastructure to accommodate that, and that's one of the issues. But, you know what, I, I do think there will be a day where we see BYU, Tom Homo, John Hartwell at Utah State, they rekindle something and, and get uh, the series fired up. But, uh, it, you know, it, it's just you got to evolve. Uh, I, I want to see the FCS game gone, though. That is my big thing in the argument. I asked Kalani about this last year, and he's like, everyone else in college football does it, so we're going to do it. It's like, okay, I get that. I hope that a uh, Saban, I hope that uh, some of the leaders of this sport say enough's enough. We're done playing this game. I get it from the, oh, the financial ecosystem of football, but I'd rather have BYU-Utah State than BYU-Sam Houston. I know that's FBS, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't want those no. games. I want, if I'm going to get a, a game against an inferior opponent where BYU is a three or four touchdown favorite, I want it against... The Aggies, where it's a wagon wheel game, where there's a trophy at stake, not uh, the Salukis from Southern Illinois. Like, give me a break. I don't want that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on there. Quick question, last thing, though. If you had to choose Utah every year or a rotation of the regional rivalries, what would you choose?
1: Rotation. Uh, I, I don't think you give Utah every year. I think that's done. The you, Utah... Made that clear when BYU was independent. When BYU said, we will give you coveted top three weeks of the season inventory where BYU can get anyone, BYU was willing to say, we will play you in those first three weeks. We will designate a week for you. Just commit to us. They wouldn't. So now I'm. if I'm Tom Homo, I say, no way. Like I would rather BYU make a bigger commitment to, not bigger commitment, but a commitment to Utah State and Boise than Utah. Uh, because Utah, there's so much history. There's tons of tradition. Those games matter so much. I get all that, but that instance where Tom Homo was like, "We will play you week two. Just tell us, commit to us. We will rope it off and we will schedule our seasons around that game." Like they, because you think about it now, Matt. Like all those seasons in the first four weeks, where BYU's playing Tennessee, they're playing Washington, they're playing USC. They're playing just the who's who of college football: Michigan, Nebraska, just go down the line. And BYU is willing to say we will sacrifice those opportunities to play Utah. Like that's how invested they were, and they basically got told, "Eh, we're playing Michigan, we're playing Florida. See you later." Well, now BYU yeah, is in a position. Ironic
0: power. though, it comes full circle for Utah that they really needed BYU on the schedule to help bolster the resume after losing to Florida. Yeah, so. they've played
1: no one. <laughs> they've played no one since Florida. I mean, they they got Oregon State this week, but they've they've truly played no one since that game. I mean, they haven't had anyone with a pulse since that week one game and uh you know, but I I think Tom Holmo kind of touched on it uh, a couple months ago. I think it was on BYU TV. He's like we're, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something to the effect of, we're not going to play them every year. Like, and that was the first time he's ever said that. Because he's, he's typically like, I love the rivalry. I want to make that work. He's like, it's not going to happen probably every year. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Utah State, we will see when it actually happens. The problem for BYU too, as we close this up, they're not adding any more games between now and I think it's 2032. So you're, we're probably talking a decade. We're not going to see BYU in Utah State. That's kind of weird. I mean, I, it's it's very strange. And, and I'm curious to see what happens in the Big 12 if BYU is given maybe the Thursday, Friday night spot leading into conference weekend. Or does Big 12 say, yeah, that's nice, but you need to fill this time slot at 8.15 on Saturday night? I don't know how that will work with conference weekend because ESPN and independence, it was like, yeah, we'll work around women's conference. We'll work around priesthood session. We'll work around this big toes. Like, uh, we're going to put you in the spots where it gets the most eyeballs and the most revenue. And if it's Thursday, great. If it's not, you're going to probably play. So that's kind of an end of an era too. this weekend as BYU gets ready for the weeknight tilt against the Aggies final score prediction, Matt, what do you got?
0: I'm going to go. BYU, I'm going to go BYU 40, Utah State 17.
1: I like that. Uh, I think that BYU gets that 40 spot too. I'm going to say BYU 45. I'm going to say Utah State 20. I think they get maybe some cheap touchdown. Maybe Jaron makes some, not Jaron, but maybe some receiver fumbles a ball or running, But I don't know, something cheap. I think Utah State will get something and I'll make people go, Oh no, like the underdog has life. Like, no, it's not happening. <laughs> Just stay patient. So many knee jerk reactions in first quarters of games. Uh, but yeah, 45 20. I think BYU rolls to a comfortable victory and moves to four and one and then sets the table for Las Vegas. I'm rolling the dice. I'm doing like the the Seth Rogen uh, was on Knocked Up where he's like the the dice roll, that dance years ago. Yeah, I'm doing that right now. Uh, <laughs> BYU and Notre Dame next week. We will have a lot of coverage next week from that one. We're going to have like a special pregame on the radio leading up to kick. It's going to be on KSL 5 TV. We're going to have pre- and post-game shows on TV. Goodness gracious, like BYU and the Irish. We're going to wake up the Echoes. We're going to probably tap into Rudy. We're going to get Rudy to run out the BYU flag, Rudy Rudiger. That's going to be interesting, by the way. Is Rudy going to cheer for BYU or the Irish? Because Rudy is now a member of the church. Where do his allegiances lie? That's a a good question. We will find out next week. Maybe that's the tease. We will tease that. We will track down Rudy (laughs) and get him on our show and say, Rudy, who's the madman now? (laughs) <laughs> anyway, I will see you tomorrow. Uh, you are the madman tomorrow night as you dress up in a cowboy suit. You will see me in a cowboy hat. I'm
0: trying to track down a belt buckle. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go full Woody here, but uh, I thought about growing a mustache. But I can't grow facial hair, so that's not going to work. Uh, it's, I'll do my best.
1: It's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Brett's going. Brett Pine, the media relations guy, is going to say, "Matt, um, it's." It's September 29th, not October 29th. Like, you're a month away from Halloween, and you're going to have to explain what just happened. The fight in Craig Bowles covered the spread set by you.
0: What happened was the refs uh, and and also the uh, lack of a turnover. So that's
1: what happened. (laughs) The refs, uh, uh, shout out to them, hopefully this new crew. Hopefully you are just uh, – so much better than last week's group. My gosh, that that group was was terrible. Brutal. Just just downright awful. So that is the key storylines, the refs, BYU, the rivalry, the Wagon Wheel tomorrow night and Matt dressing up like a cowboy. We got so much content. Like we are just fulfilled. This is a blowout game potentially and yet we are just loaded with great storylines and you heard them all here. On Cougar Tracks and Cougar Sports Saturday, follow Matt on Twitter at Byamonte. Matt. Follow me at Mitch underscore Harper. And we will catch you next time on Cougar Sports Saturday, next Saturday from noon to three on KSL News Radio.
0: A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one.